What is going on, Marvelous Podcast family? What a privilege and honor to be with you again today. I hope that wherever you are in this world, you're doing fantastic. We have an epic episode of the podcast for you today. We have entitled it, The Science of Group Flow, Architecting High-Performance Environments and Exceptional Leadership with the man Shane Metcalf. This is a fantastic episode. We dive deep on a lot of interesting topics as far as environment, high performance, uh, organizational high performance, and um, many other topics. So here's some of the things that we discuss. We talk about spiral dynamics. We talk about developmental stages of organization, working with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, needs, the science of cultural engineering, uh, generating feedback loops, culture outside of work, advice for entrepreneur, identifying company values, uh, why entrepreneurship is a long game, potential purpose, and playing the highest intrinsic motivator, and so much more. So this is a fantastic episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. That is just a bit of the show notes there. So if you do like it, uh, please share this episode. Tag me on Instagram. Share it on Facebook or anywhere you can. You can also watch it on YouTube, just so you know we do have a YouTube channel, Matt Belair Show. Um, you can leave a review in iTunes. That helps so much. So if you could do that, I would really appreciate it. And I want to thank Axel so much who put uh, Matt is a humanly crazy Zen master. I have learned a great deal for from life and how to design it and tap into possibilities within my reach. The best part is that Matt also helps you stretch, especially through consultations, his book, and I bet even more with his coaching programs. So thank you, Axel. I appreciate you leaving that review. It helps so much, so please consider leaving a review. And also Patreon. Thank you so much to my patrons. Thank you so much, Tiffany Thompson, a former client, also friend who's doing awesome stuff. She's in the process of writing a book right now and uh, has the happy square one on Instagram. Check her out. She's really um, working on some awesome stuff. So wishing her all the best and, and so grateful for her support. So if you go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair, toss a buck in the bucket. It helps immensely. And the best thing that you can do is one kind act. Just do one kind act in the community today is the best way you can support the show. For those of you guys who really want to level up, I am creating all kinds of awesome stuff in 2020. The Mastermind Body and Spirit Academy is open and there is a 21 trans 21 day transformational course in there. The challenge is on now. You can join at any time. Go to bit.ly forward slash mindbodyspirit21 or it's at mattbelair.com and you can see the academy up there. It's going to turn into a transformational course, 21 videos to get you super clear, aligned, overcoming self-sabotage, clear on your vision, connected to your heart in the best way. And also, if you go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching, fill out the form. There is going to be a mastermind group coming up. This is going to be a test pilot for the Soul Compass course coming out and I'm going to be working one-on-one with a very small group of people. It's only going to be 10 or 12 people. I'm not sure yet. So if you're interested in that, go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching, fill out the form and just let me know who you are, what you're about. It is going to be an in-depth program and I am so excited and I need some test bunnies. So hopefully I will see you over there and just make an inquiry if you want. And I would love to see you in that group and in the academy. So that wraps it up. Um, Let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive in wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and just let it out slowly filling every cell every muscle and every fiber of your being with peace joy contentment enthusiasm inspiration excitement and ready to take on this amazing episode with shane metcalf Hello and welcome to the Mastermind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is a seasoned executive coach and speaker who is obsessed with building healthy organizations and creating the opportunity for people to have meaningful work and meaningful relationships. Driven by his deep belief in the potential of our species, he co-founded 15.5, industry-leading performance management software, that is unlocking the potential of the global workforce. As chief culture officer, he understands what fundamentally motivates people, how to architect high performance, 
and which principles and rituals create self-organizing organizing cultures. Along with his co-founder, David Hassel, he has developed the best self-management methodology, which posits that by supporting people in learning, growing, and becoming their best selves over time, the natural byproduct is uncommonly high performance and loyalty. He has been featured in Fast Company, Inc., and the Washington Post. Welcome to the show, Shane Metcalf. Matt, so good to be here. What an honor. Uh, really excited to dig in on uh, you know all the topics we're going to cover today. And yeah, hello man. to everybody out there listening. Dude, it's great to have you on the show. You know, we had a little discussion before we started here, and it looks like we're kindred spirits. Um, you got your van that you're ready to deck out. Um, but also, when I you're, you're also like five days older than me, and yeah. uh, you have a kid well that's going to be like what four months older than my kid. So it was fun to to find all those parallels. Yeah, and and you know, you're pursuing human performance and and what that means for our culture. And when I had a chance to look at fifteen five and what you've done, I was like, this is brilliant. Every company should be using this. This is absolutely brilliant. I had just finished reading Flow, and can you say his name for me? Because you say uh, it better. Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Yeah, I butcher it every time. But it's a fantastic book, and it gives like organizing principles for Flow. And what you've done is like you've taken that groundwork, but other groundworks as well to incorporate that into the workplace. So it's really fantastic work. I'll stop talking about you and let you do it for yourself. Um, can you share the with the audience a little bit about who you are and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so Shane Metcalf, co-founder and chief culture officer of 15.5. And boy, how I got here today, it's been a very non-linear path. You know, it's definitely not like I went to college and was said, oh, I'm gonna get an, you know, I'm gonna study business administration. And then I went and got my MBA and I've been working at Bain ever since and then started my own company. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's definitely been a path of, you know, I know it's cliche, but the, of following your bliss, and maybe that has that has led me in some very strange, non-linear directions in life. You know, parts of my life, you know, parts of my twenty, I basically uh, threw my resume in the flames and said, "All right, well, I'm going to have a four-year gap of anything that would look like credible business on my resume, but allowed me to actually go through some very deep." Uh, periods of introspection and personal development, really exploring community and interpersonal dynamics. How do you create intimacy and psychological safety in a room in record amount of time? Uh, you know, really exploring works of like Ken Wilber's Integral Theory and Don Beck's Spiral Dynamics and all these other kind of cool maps of consciousness and the developmental stages that organizations and individuals go through. And it was cool because I, I, I loved it. I fell in love with all of these different systems and models. And that ultimately led me to uh, becoming an executive coach because it was like, okay, cool. What do you do after working on yourself for four years? Oh, you become a coach, you know, like every other person in the Bay Area. And so I started coaching and that ultimately led to an opportunity to join 15.5 as a co-founder. And so for the last eight years, we've been building this company with this question, with this idea of what would happen if we built a company whose sole purpose was unlocking the potential of every member inside of our company? What would happen if we, we built a product who, that was designed to not, not just help manage performance inside of organizations, but was actually designed to help people be and become a better version of themselves. You know, wouldn't that lead to uncommonly high performance, to, to high loyalty? And it's pretty cool, Matt, you know, like, you know, eight years in, we have some, some great results to speak of. We're, you know, we're, we're growing like crazy. We're, you know, we're scaling the company pretty fast at this point, you know, kind of, you know, slow and steady growth. And all of a sudden we've been hitting exponential curves. But in eight years, we've had five people voluntarily leave the company. Um, only two of those people left for another job. So, you know, unprecedented low turnover. And we have uh, a perfect five-star rating on Glassdoor. And what, what's fascinating about that is that it's like, I think that these kinds of results are actually more available to business leaders 
and that if we just start to ask the question, how can, as a, as a leader, as anybody that is influencing more people than just myself, how can I leave them better than I found them? How can I contribute to these people being and becoming their best selves? And that simple change of mind can do, do absolute wonders for any organization out there. That's amazing, man. What, a, what an amazing intention to have and to create. And, and like I said at the beginning, I had an opportunity to go through some of uh, your website in 15.5 and I was seeing how you did that. And you really have taken a lot about a high level uh, personal development and peak performance and you made it in a way that it's easy to understand. And that's really the challenging thing is like so many people will read um, books on spirituality, self-improvement, personal development, all that kind of stuff. And a lot of the time they get stuck and they say, I don't know what to do, Matt. Like I'm overwhelmed. I don't know how to do, I don't know what to do. And you've broken it down into very simple steps with an absolutely amazing intention. And there's a lot of ways I'd like to kind of take this conversation. But the first thing I'd like to speak about is what have you learned about the models? How, what kind of systems are you using and how are you cultivating? Like what are the, some of the best tools for leadership growth and organizations? Because I've looked at it a little bit in sports and that kind of dynamic for peak performance and flow state, but it looks like you're cultivating that in, in the work environments by using this software. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and you know, this really well from sports psychology is that peak performance and learning how to operate at higher levels of performance happens in real time. It happens in the very minute, small decisions and small micro corrections that we make. You know, you think of a, of a large clock and that you can, um, you know, in order to get those massive hands to shift, it's actually a series of very small gears that are turning bigger gears that are turning the massive hands. And so I think of personal development and high performance is that it's, it actually starts with the small shifts. It starts with the, the, the tiny habits that we can start to improve. And in improving those small things, we start to see much bigger results. And you know, another thing that I think that is, is ripe for disruption is that We've been thinking of, let's just call it business high performance, in a very segregated, isolated capacity. We've taken, you know, being a top sales rep or, you know, being a genius marketer or a brand builder or kind of visionary CEO or an amazing, uh, competent customer support rep. And we've taken those things out of the context of the full human and we've isolated them. And if you really want to get the best performance from your people, you need to start seeing them as a whole human. You need to understand that here is this complex, dynamic, multifaceted human being who has a hierarchy of needs. You know, we, we draw a lot from Maslow's work, from Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, there's, there's a need for belonging. There's a need for psychological safety, for esteem. And all those things lead to self-actualization. And so by creating cultures where people are, are able to discover these deeper truths about themselves, people are able to, let's just, you know, let's take uh, esteem from Maslow's hierarchy. That before, before having a level of self-actualization, before having a level of high performance, we need to have enough esteem in ourselves in order to actually pursue that. And so an amazing thing that organizations can do is help people understand, well, what are their strengths? You know, we're a big believer in strengths-based management at 15.5. So you can have people go through a strengths assessment and get their top, their Gallup top five strengths. And all of a sudden, there can be an opportunity for that person to have an epiphany about how they're wired and ways that they're naturally designed to perform. And then if you reinforce that, you put opportunities to cultivate those strengths, you can turn them into superpowers. And that's really when work gets fun, when we're doing things that we're competent at. And as we do them, our confidence grows, we become more competent. And then our work suddenly is giving us energy. It's actually fueling us. 
And that also rests upon a ecosystem of healthy relationships, you know, where you actually enjoy the people you work with. There's, there's not just this like, you know, truckload of withholds and resentments and, you know, and, and you know, so much of that goes into some of the basics of kind of cultural engineering. How do you get people to collaborate effectively? How do you get people to learn more about each other and about who we really are as humans beyond just the surface of our work selves? That's awesome, man. I was taking notes as you're going along there. You, you said a lot of things I think that were really important. And one of them I liked was, you know, why the small changes, you know, make for the big changes over time. And I had recently just did a podcast with Dr. Eddie O'Connor, who's a sports psychologist, and Howard Falco together. And I can't remember which of them said it, but they gave an example of a, it was like a Brazilian team. I can't remember which team it was, but the, the goal of the coach was to improve all the small things by just 1%, improve everything that they did by 1%, improve sleep by 1%, improve training by 1%, improve, you know, all these little tiny like diet by 1%, whatever the case was, and measure those metrics and, you know, in, in hopes to, you know, in a few Olympics, win a gold medal and they ended up doing it right away. Or it could have been a, a championship team. I think that's what it was. It was like the Boston Red Sox or something like that. But the idea was small changes anyway, but it, it seems to work. And I know that, when you are trying to perform at a high level, a lot of people are talking about flow state nowadays. So you're talking about peak performance and mindset and all these things. And a lot of times people want that like quick fix and biohack and make it all um, happen immediately. And you're so right when it is like, when you go throughout a work day or you're going to perform at a high level for something very important, it's your adaptation to what is happening in that moment. And the more powerful you can create that environment, the faster that you can change. And all the things that you're talking about with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I think that everyone listening to this wishes they had a work environment like that. And so maybe you could speak a little bit about how can you apply these principles as an individual to your family? If you're a CEO, how do you implement it into your organizations? And I'm kind of thinking that like the people out there would be like, you man, this feels like an amazing idea and I wish my company would adopt that, but it seems like a pipe dream and I, you know, I hate my coworkers and everything sucks there because <laughs> yeah. yeah, screw those people. Yeah. Screw but what you're guys. talking about is like, you know, if you look at Google and I've seen some amazing work environments, they make it fun and they make it engaging, but you're putting another level on top of that. That's very fascinating because again, I've seen some of the structure of how you do it and I invite people to check out your website because that you give a little bit of information there, but those are kind of the checklists that I use for myself or when I'm training others to see where I'm going and get and measure my feedback, measure my results and doing that in a team dynamic would be a very powerful experience. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, people forget that we're, we actually have physical bodies and that's why I love of where your, your approach is that, you know, when you're training athletes, of course, you're going to pay attention to sleep, diet, rest, you know, all training and, in business, we almost like pretend like we're just these disembodied brains that don't actually need sleep. I mean, if they, if every business out there started saying, hey, we want to help all of our employees improve their sleep by 1%, your productivity and your creativity engagement would skyrocket. You know, we're, we're, you know, so we aren't thinking about those things the way we should be. We need to be thinking about the physical, emotional, and mental selves of the human being. And we have all those three different layers. And so if you can start creating a culture where those realities are at least acknowledged, you don't even need to start doing anything as a company to address them. All you can, like the easiest thing you can do is you can start valuing the internal states. A really simple way of doing this is doing the one word check-in before as you start meetings. Just of like, what's the weather report? How are, pe how are people feeling in one or two words? And people are like tired, energized, excited, you know. And, and it's amazing how just having that moment to have, bring a little bit of our humanity, bring a little bit of like what we're actually feeling in the present moment and have that witnessed in the room, it changes everything. People start to feel like, how they feel actually matters. And when you start to care about people at that level, 
uh, you create a really deep field of psychological safety. And that's where all of our best creativity, that's where our, our full engagement is going to come from. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And it's interesting because if you look at the way that the world is run and how, let's just say, business seems to be going in a lot of places, it's overworked. It's, you know, continue the deadline. It's the bottom line. It's all of those things. And when you talk about rest in this and and just being human and how important that is so you know depression and anxiety is is higher than it's ever been and and people are running themselves ragged it's an awful environment and there's a book called the the monk who sold his ferrari and it's about management and leadership you might have read that one and and you know they said the number one motivator of people isn't money it's appreciation and what you're speaking about is fundamentals and you can't go onto the next level. You can't go into mastery without fundamentals. Like a boxing, you know, if I teach a young kid how to box or something, right? They want to kind of go into like advanced moves or punches. I'm like, just practice a jab like a thousand times, 10,000 times. Like, why would I do that? It's like such a basic punch. I've already learned it. But then meanwhile, you've got the master boxers who are practicing jabs hundreds and thousands of times in this basic fundamental thing. But from those fundamentals of whatever you're doing, you can build from there in a way that you can't without them. And so it's almost like, you know, don't, pass go and collect 200 unless you are taking care of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and once you've built one layer you can then go on the other layer because you can get results the other way and we have done that but it, it's very taxing on the employee it teaches it it treats us like cattle people feel disenfranchised and upset they leave uh, their jobs and and really overall it creates a culture this is our work culture and when I'm traveling to different cities and listening to different people talk they just express that that's the culture they're in and, and it feels like a trap. It feels like a prison. And what you're kind of suggesting is um, it doesn't have to be that way, but what about like, well, a, well, like and, and I love that you brought up appreciation too, because you know what? Appreciation is free. Like, <laughs> you know, we, we, we make it easier in our software. You know, we have this feature called high fives that prompts people to share recognition and appreciation, but you, you don't need, our software to do that. Like I challenge everybody here listening that's in any kind of management position, think everybody on your team once a week. Like go like offer a genuine acknowledgement and appreciation for them, you know, and sometimes people are like, well, I don't want to thank my people for doing their job. And I'm like, no, that's exactly what you should do. Like, you know, I mean, if they're doing a shitty shitty job, don't thank them for that. But if they're doing their job with some level of competence, thank them for it. 80% of employees that have left companies, and this is a recent survey, said one of the primary reasons they're leaving their company is a lack of appreciation. It doesn't cost anything to stop for a moment and offer somebody some authentic, genuine, heartfelt appreciation. And then, you know, people are like, well, I'm not good at offering appreciation. You're not, you're not any good at giving appreciation because you don't do it. You know, it's like, I can't, I can't throw a jab, so I'm not going to ever practice throwing a jab. It's, it's such a, a limited mindset. And we need to start breaking out of that. We need to understand, wow, this is one of the easiest ways to build a better culture, to build a, a, a higher performing culture is lay on the appreciation yeah you know like people are really concerned that it's going to turn people into entitled you know a bunch of entitled millennials that are just demanding you know they're like well you thank me for this now where's my ten dollar green juice in the fridge um and it's like no 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 that's actually how you prevent a culture of entitlement is by building a culture of gratitude yeah, absolutely. And I like what you said too about, um, you know, the appreciation is free and you can do that each week. But what I love about technology when used correctly is that it provides an opportunity for us to really elevate our performance. And so when you want to track your performance, if you're trying to achieve a very challenging goal, you want to track it all. And we might know what we should do. 
But if we don't write it down and we don't have it in front of us, we might forget. We might forget to appreciate. But when it's on a simple checklist, it's like, you know what? I didn't do these things. Like I forgot my squats this week or I forgot to um, do my visualization or whatever the case is. You can then go back and measure your results. And that's really what this is offering. It's like these are proven techniques that have that have worked, that have science behind them, that we've seen work in cultures. And these are the, the boxes that you need to check off. And this is how it works. And it's also adaptable with the feedback of the company. And as you learn more things, and what I'm curious about is, can you share some of the other tools that you use in there or, or how either a CEO or somebody might use this and kind of see how it operates or how an individual might take some of these tools and apply it to their own life? Because most of what I saw in there, you can apply to your own life and have great examples or great yeah, success. Totally, totally. So, so, I mean, you know, the fundamental idea of 15.5 is that we're creating more feedback loops inside of companies. And feedback loops are so healthy, so generative for any system they're in because it allows the system to start talking to itself. So if you think of a company as a, as a multi-celled organism, you know, like let's say, you know, 15.5 is a single body and there's, you know, we have about 200 people that work in the company and every, every person is a different organ or a different cell. A healthy body is a body that's in communication with itself where, you know, the brain is in resonance with the heart and there's information being gathered about how, how good digestion is and blood flow and there's pain sensors happening from the external world and it's all giving itself information and then can adapt and make changes as necessary. And so what is not working in a lot of organizations and that causes a lot of uh, cultural toxicity, the leadership team to be super dysfunctional, is that you don't have the right feedback loops in place. And so, you know, with 15.5, what we do is we ask questions. We think that questions are one of the most underutilized kind of magic power uh, sources of management that anybody has. And so we automate the asking of questions on a weekly basis. So the, the whole premise of 15.5 is you have every person in the company spend 15 minutes to write uh, the answers to a couple of questions and then it takes the manager five minutes to review. And fun fact about our origin is that it was actually Yvonne Chouinard, the founder of Patagonia, who came up with this methodology in the 70s. And he and the founder of the North Face used this system where 15 minutes a week of self-reflection and how things are going in your role, how are people doing around you, where are you stuck, what do you need help with? Then it takes the manager five minutes to review. And I always have this idea this vision of like Yvonne, you know, climbing Everest base camp and getting these reports faxed to him where he's getting verbatim insight into how everybody in the company is actually doing. And it's asked not to uh, monitor people. It's not saying, tell me what you did. Tell me, justify your week. It's actually saying, what is going on? Where are you stuck? It's giving everybody in the company a voice so they can contribute to the conversation. And what that does is it allows managers to know what's actually going on with people. You know, because if somebody doesn't know that you're struggling with something, that you're stuck on a project, or that you're having a rough week at home, you know, maybe something personal is going on. If they don't know that, they can't actually help. And so we need to take 100% accountability of saying, yeah, I'm responsible to be asking for what I need to be successful in my role. And most companies just don't have these systems set up or most companies, you know, maybe there's a lower level of trust. And so people don't think that they can be the ones to instigate actually asking questions or volunteering information. And we need to, we need to recognize that that level of distrust is not serving anybody. It's not serving the employer. It's certainly not serving the employee. And so we need to, we need to begin somewhere. We need to start asking the questions and what happens is over time, as we begin to tell the truth, distrust starts to dissolve. And as we dissolve distrust, we actually become better versions of ourselves. We start engaging in our work more. We start thinking about how can this be more than just a job and how can I actually align with the purpose of the company? All kinds of cool things happen when you start asking the right questions, 
having the right conversations on a regular basis. And that's essentially what our software helps facilitate. And there's a lot of nuances and you know, we provide different kind of 360 review feedback and uh, performance reviews and OKR tracking for goals. Um, but at the end of the day, ask better questions, you're gonna get better results. It sounds a lot like what Richard Branson would talk about. And it also sounds a lot like common sense to want to get the feedback and, and hear where your employees are, you know, having everybody out there doing something is gonna, you know, if you, <laughs> if you go, if you've got into most companies, you go to the water cooler, everyone's going to have advice about why so-and-so is frigging up and why the company could do this. And, and so-and-so can do that. And a lot of those things would be valid. Some of them wouldn't be valid, but if they feel heard, and it, you were actually getting that feedback, you would know so much more about your company. And it's more than that. It's about uh, feeling, you know, helping them feel valued. And it's more than that because it's creating a culture where people would actually want to show up to work. And so if you are in a leadership role, that's what you're trying to do. And as a leader, it's very challenging. If you read books on leadership and how to manage people, sometimes you'll just get yes men. Sometimes you won't get uh, the right advice. And what this does is it allows you to ensure that you're getting the information you need to make higher quality choices at a at a quicker rate you can adapt a lot quicker yeah and look like we the pace of business is so crazy fast now you know in a year a competitor could come along and put a giant out of business and so we need to be highly adaptive and if you aren't listening to your people, if you're not asking people, how do we be more adaptive and then listening to that feedback, you're gonna get left behind. It's, and what's, it's cool because I think we're at an infection point where we're starting to understand that humans really are our greatest uh, asset as a company. And they're not even assets. They're not, you know, they're not a resource. And you know, the, this whole century we've been saying human resources, like we're just fucking lumps of coal to be thrown in the furnace and to, you know, create a little steam so the engine can go one more foot down the track. And that's bullshit. Humans are not resources. Humans have resource within us. But if you start to think of people as potential to be unlocked rather than as resources, then you're going to really start discovering we're, we're capable of so much more than we think we're capable of. And you start to build that kind of a culture and that's when you can really start to create breakthroughs and be a top performer in your industry. Yeah, absolutely. And do you see any application with this idea in schools or other, other organizations that aren't entrepreneurial? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. You know, we've had, we've actually had parents come to us and say, hey, I, I want to use 15.5 to run my family, you know, so I'm, I'm going to have my kids fill out 15.5s. And, um, you know, so there are, there are definitely cases like that. We have a lot of universities using us. Um, right now, we're really focused on the knowledge worker kind of business, um, because that's, you know, you've got to, you've got to stay focused. Um, and maybe in five years, we're going to say, hey, you know, let's roll out some programs in, the, in schools. Um, but right now, we're really focused on. on what would you define as the knowledge, knowledge worker business? And I understand when you're going into business that you want to pick one market. And also at the same time, you're saying that if you had the resources and time, it would be applicable to other spaces. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I mean, typically, our system works best for people that are already using computers on a regular basis. It's not going to be, we haven't optimized it for the service industry, for manufacturing and more blue collar roles. We're really saying, Hey, look, like we want to meet people in their existing flows of work in the places they're already doing their work. And so for knowledge workers, that's already behind computers. And, you know, as the mobile app continues to develop, you know, we, we definitely think there's a lot of possibility around going into pretty much any, any industry where there's somebody 
that is managing other people. And that's kind of the crazy thing is that the total market of, of people that manage other people is massive. You know, there's almost no limit to that. And why we're, we're focusing on this is that business has a very strong financial incentive to increase productivity, to, to improve culture. And that's what's so cool is that people are finally getting hip to culture, that culture isn't just a, a cost center. Culture can double, triple your revenue if you get it right. You know, that's what Gallup says is if you get culture right, you can double your revenue, which is, which is massive implications. Yeah, you know, people are in, needing to retain their best talent. So like, you know, one really cool metric that people should be thinking about is employee lifetime value, which is how long does somebody stay at your organization and how much value do they produce over time? And you can easily improve your ELTV simply by taking better care of your people, by genuinely caring about their well-being and that they're a better version of themselves for having worked at your company. Yeah, and, you know, it's that... funny because like for me, this is so the norm of how we think about this and it's the, it's the water I'm swimming in of like, of course you would take care of your people. And then we have people that join 15.5 and they're like, oh my God, I've, I didn't even know this was possible. I didn't know that an organization could actually care about the personal growth and development of their people. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because when you're speaking, I see I when I see a good idea and I know that this is a good idea and it has a lot of potential just because we're there's so much room for improvement in the world that we exist in. And when you speak about culture, most people, I remember when I was going to um college and everybody was going to university and I was like, what do you guys want to do with your life? Like, you know, do you want to travel? Do you want to do this and that? And hundred percent of my friends were going to university to get a job and do that thing. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I'm the only one that's like not really thinking that. And that's at the, I knew I thought a little bit different at that point. And it didn't really hit me until then. Cause I was remember just thinking 40 hours a week, you know, two weeks off a year is, is messed up. And so that's where you're spending a lot of your life. And culture is not just the culture in your family or the culture in your city. There's work culture is one of the main cultures that we experience as human beings. And if that culture overall could get a 1% improvement or your culture that you work in, you know, gets a massive boost and improvement, your overall quality of life is going to go way up. And if you're an entrepreneur and, and you see this as an opportunity, if you think of something that is of contribution to other people, you pick an idea that does something good for your community, uh, gives back to the world, like the Patagonia story is fantastic, you know, making clothing, but you know, doing the right thing at the same time, you're going to get people on board with that and really behind what you're doing. And that's what you need. If you want to succeed, like if you have an employee that's coming in and, and punching you know, the clock and goes home and doesn't think about it. That's, that's okay. You know, they're getting a paycheck, but if they're really engaged with what they do because they appreciate, you know, the employment, the experience that they have there and everything that they show up for, they're going to be giving their all to that experience. It's going to improve their life, but it's going to improve your business immensely. Yeah. You know, that story of um, in the sixties during the space race, and you know, who knows if this is true or not, but there's a, there's a cool kernel of, of, of wisdom in it. And somebody's at NASA and they see a janitor and they ask, oh, what do you do here? And the janitor looks at the person and says, I'm helping put a man on the moon. And that's how we want to think about it. That's why it's so important for us to take a deeper look at why does our organization exist? You know, why are you doing the Zen athlete? Why am I doing 15-5? Why is Costco doing Costco? And really get clear on what is the higher purpose of our company because making money is not enough. We need to do more. Like just look around. The world is hungry for meaning, for purpose, for play. And oh, guess what? It's now proven that purpose, play, meaning, potential, that's going to get the highest performance. Economic pressure, emotional pressure, 
just showing up because you've always been showing up, that actually gets the lowest performance. And you know, like, um, I want to read you something. So every Monday I do a gratitude reflection for our company. And this is also a way of creating more flow states because we know that when the, when you can put the brain into a positive brain state through uh, heightened emotions of, of love, gratitude, it really actually changes our brain state. And so every Monday before our, our all hands, I just do like a simple five minute gratitude reflection. And so this morning was the fo <clears throat> focus around like this new world of work where there's more compassion, more humanity, more communication, more empathy, more vulnerability inside of our organizations. And again, I know it's not equally distributed yet, but it is happening. And um, somebody wrote about what they're grateful for, Emily Diaz, what's up? Shout out to Emily. And I loved what she wrote. She said, I'm grateful for the new world of work for bringing more oneness to personal growth and professional growth you know, merging personal growth and professional growth. That we can have some of the best experiences of our lives inside of our work and that all the values and virtues of a life well-lived show up at our jobs in the new world of work. The myth of who I am personally being different from who I am professionally gets busted. In truth, it's all one life with the potential to be richly satisfying from any facet. And that's, that's what we're talking about. That is the opportunity, you know, to build organizations, to build movements where it isn't 70% of the country is disengaged at work. Let's make it 70% is engaged. What a different reality that would be. And that's what's so cool is we all have the opportunity and we need to all take 100% accountability. You know, if you're, if you're not loving your role, if you don't love your culture, you're the only person that can do anything about it. If you're a business owner, you need to take 100% accountability to create the macro culture. And so we all have way more power. We all have more influence, you know, because ultimately we're contagious. Like whatever our energetic state is, is going to be contagious and affect everybody else around us. Yeah, man, I absolutely agree with all that. And I love the characteristics that you outlined. Can you use uh, meaning? How, how did you phrase it? Oh, I, 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 potential, purpose, and play are the three highest intrinsic motivators. Yeah. Because, you know, like this whole conversation around motivation, like why is somebody doing something affects how they do it. Oh, I was going to let you keep going. I was, I was writing those down because it's so good. And you know, what I love about that is when you feed that into like your intention and what you're doing, like you could be working at a company, right? And if it doesn't line up with that, you could then pivot to a different space, but it would be up to you and your meaning and your own values and your own um, like kind of guiding post. But the more of us that move towards meaning and contribution in the way that you'd kind of shared, there is so much opportunity and income because you end up making money in business when you solve a problem. And there are so many things out there that could use a little bit of motivation and a little bit of heart. And if you look at the way that the planet is now, that's what we need. We need individuals to be empowered, to recognize that they can do something. And if they start to work on a solution, there's going to be more people that really want to help with that solution. And if we can create engaging and wonderful work environments where there can be support financially, emotionally, physically, spiritually, in all those different ways, that's how we start, you know, making this planet a, a better place. Because right now, when you look at the state of things, and, and like you said, 70% of people you know, are disengaged, I would probably be higher, you know, I, ideally it's only 70. And so how do we flip that coin? It's going to have to start with the individual. And do you want to say anything about that? I was going to ask you another question, but yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, we really, I think that we're moving in the right direction. You know, I am, I am, I like to think of myself as a rational optimist. And, but if we look at, you know, the state of, uh, of engagement versus uh, from now from 1800, from 1500s, <laughs> we're, we're going in a good direction. We need to, we, we, there's so much more we can do. And so I think it's about having the emotional courage to start taking those risks. 
And for people that want this, but know they couldn't have that inside of their existing company, well, the good news is that more and more companies are looking for people like that. There's an, there's, it's no longer, you know, oh, there's one company that's doing this well. There are hundreds and hundreds of companies that are starting to understand that if I take care of our people, they will take care of the company. It's really simple math once you start to see it. And what advice would you give to entrepreneurs? Because what you said at the beginning of your intention of building this company and how it serves other companies, I think is really amazing. But in that in itself was an entrepreneurial endeavor. And so some people might have those aspirations or like, you know what? I don't like my job. I want to, I get this all the time. I want to make a change. I'm not happy where I am. I know I can make a more of an impact. And I am always like, yes, you can. That's why I have this show to, to see all these other people who've done it. I'm trying to do it. I've been successful in some ways and failed way more, way more than the success, but I'm still kind of en route and it's been kind of okay. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm trying and I know that you can too. And eventually you're going to make that impact that you want, but you're going to have to kind of, you're going to have to put some effort towards it probably over a period of time. So can you share a little bit of what you've learned about as an entrepreneur and any advice you'd give to somebody who is looking like, you know, she's looking to make an impact. They're not sure what to do. And maybe you can just share some fundamentals or some things you've learned. Yeah. Well, I mean, as you know, being an entrepreneur is a totally insane endeavor. It's, it's, you know, no sane human being should take on trying to build their own company. Um, it's an enormous amount of work. The odds of failure are drastically higher than success. Um, and, but you know, so there's a lot of reasons why you shouldn't try to pursue your you're, own You're thing. really encouraging them. They're going to feel so, everyone's <laughs> yeah, totally. just so excited now. They're just like, yes. <laughs> um, and, but you know, and, and part of that is that not everybody does need to do their own thing. Cause I think that, and, and I'll just go into this a little bit further. And this is something my co-founder David Hassel talks a lot about is, you know, he'll, he'll be in a room with, you know, 200 other CEOs. And he likes to ask this question of like, how many of you are highly intrinsically motivated and feel like you're doing your passion? And, you know, most of the hands go up. And then he'll ask, how many of your how many of you do you think your employees are, you know, are, have their job because they're just deeply passionate about it and aren't intrinsically motivated? And not many hands go up. And what I think we should start thinking about is, yes, it's awesome for the few and crazy ones that want to start their own thing. And for those people, you, you kind of know it. You kind of got to do it. You're going against all common sense because I think it's part of kind of how, who, you, who you know you have to become. Starting something and building a company is one of the greatest personal transformational experiences you could ever take on because you have to become a better version of yourself. You know, it's like, don't become a millionaire for the money, become a millionaire for who you'll be, who you'll become, that kind of idea. And I think that applies for a select group of, of entrepreneur, entrepreneurial people. But we can help people find their purpose, live their purpose, live in accordance with their highest values, even if they choose not to do the crazy path of founding their own company. And that's what we should start thinking about. How do we actually create that experience and opportunities for that kind of passion and uh, intrapreneurial spirit inside of our organizations? Yeah, I think that's an important distinction. And I like that because on Instagram these days with the kids out there, it's all about, you know, the entrepreneur life and, the money in cars. And I really believe that people should take account of what's important to them, what their values are, what they want to contribute to, where they want to grow and, and move towards meaning. And you're very correct because not everybody is wired like that. And it takes a ton of work and you need to dedicate almost everything to that endeavor if you're going to be successful because it's going to be hard. You're going to, you're going to have a lot of failures. And so a lot of people can find a lot of happiness and contentment with life experiences and jobs and vocations that they enjoy doing and um, 
and they don't have to go like that other route because the other route is just, it is a certain group of people. And what I'm seeing out there is that when people try and then they fail and this happening a lot, they're like, I quit my job and I try to do this and I failed. It's like, it is so hard to do. Whoever is telling you and marketing to you that this is an easy thing is not a true yeah, they're thing. Lying. Maybe they're, yeah, they're lying to you, right? They're and selling you, you something. And then you paid a thousand bucks to have it easy. And what they did is they made a thousand bucks. And I've, I've bought those programs. They, they, all of them have my money. Um, and yeah. That's like, it's, you know what? I'm still- I, I, I made um, it through uh, 20% of the course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so, you know, I think that's a good point. But also at the same time, I think that the people that are inspired to do it it's a challenging thing, but what if, what would be your main pieces of advice if they're going to do it, if they, they really want to go towards something and build something that that vision is there for, you know, what do you recommend for them? Yeah. Well, I mean, look, like the journey is as important as the destination. So if you're only doing it and like, Oh, my happiness and my, my health, my relationships, I can focus on those. Once I have an IPO, once I have a big exit, that's, you're going to be throwing your life away you know, design the company from the ground up to be one where you can actually be yourself, where you can show up and you can have a sense of belonging. You can feel like you actually are seen and valued for the real gifts that you bring to the table. Because what can happen is that if we don't build our company from a a foundation of authenticity, from a foundation of our true values, We'll wake up one day and we'll realize, whoa, this is, I'm actually degrading as a human being on this journey to get rich. And I'm not actually being enriched upon this journey. And so by clarifying what are your true values from an early moment in the company, how can I make decisions in accordance with those, how can I use those values to solve the problems of the business? That's how you know you have the right values is you use them to actually solve real problems. They're not just like bullshit you put up on the wall. It's actually lived, it actually changes the nature of the conversation. So, I mean, that's, that's a way of ensuring that there's long-term success. You know, I mean, we're eight years into building this company and it feels like we're just really getting started. And I have better friendships with my co-founders than when we started. I, I'm, I'm healthier. I'm, you know, I've have thriving relationships outside of life, outside of work. And, and it's been a very fulfilling journey. It's been hard. There's been trials and tribulations, but ultimately I feel like I am infinitely better off for having walked this path. Even if the whole thing went up in flames tomorrow, I would still feel like this was a life well-lived. And that is a, that's a, a really cool feeling because at that point, you can let go of some of the, the greed, some of the like rat race that it's only worth it if we win. And it's actually, oh, it helps you slow down, be a little more present cherish the people you work with and then all of a sudden you start having this different experience of work and you start entering more flow states you start finding the zen of your job and the work quality goes up and who you know ultimately by building a superior product you're going to win in the marketplace you have to market it you have to sell it you have to let people know about your superior product, but that, that all comes with the package as well. Brilliantly put. There's a so grateful that you shared that story because I think that, you know, just sharing like, you know, it's eight years and the intention behind it and the work and um, just talking about a life well lived, you just package that up wonderfully. I appreciate you coming on and, and with what you're doing, I honestly wholeheartedly believe in what you're doing over there to transform every every business that experiences your product and what you're doing it affects everybody in that culture their quality of life their mindset their cooperation 
and we're losing a lot of people. This is a little bit of a diversion, but we're losing a lot of people to suicide, to depression, to anxiety yeah. because they feel alone. They can't go to imagine work was the only place you felt safe. I know that from sports and coaching kids and teens that a lot of times the sports and the coaches are the only places that those kids feel safe that they feel like they can make something of themselves. And that's why it's so important that we are supporting our coaches, our sports, our athletes, our artists, our musicians, and all those things. And what if work of all places could yeah. be the safe haven? It doesn't Absolutely. make any sense. You know, it doesn't make well, any sense right now. The and, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, I love that because all it, all it takes is that single safe space that single kind of light in your life to act as a foothold for you to pull yourself up to a higher plane of existence and it affects it'll affect all your life your family life your relationships your motivation your health and uh yeah man so i i 100 am behind what you're doing i think it's so brilliant i hadn't seen anything like that and I know it's doing a lot of good and, and you have my full support if I can help you in any way. Um, is there anything that you wish that I had asked you or that you want to talk about before we close it up? Well, you know, I mean, just one thought that's, that's occurring is that, you know, I think that part of uh, our success that we've, ha we've created internally with our culture is by breaking the rules. Like we're doing shit that other companies aren't doing. Like this year I was like, okay, we want to provide transformational experiences for our people. What's one of the most transformational experiences I've ever been to and that's really positively impacted my life and enhanced my creativity and helped me have more community and creativity? Oh, going to Burning Man. You know, like I've been going to Burning Man for 10 years. My co-founder has been a bunch of times. We're like, fuck it. Let's buy every person at 15 and 5 their first ticket to Burning Man. And, you know, like people were like, oh my God, that's an insane idea. And then we were like, yeah, no, let's do it. And all of a sudden, you know, we have people taking it up, taking us up on it. And we've got a whole crew of, of Ukrainians going to Burning Man next year. And it's so fun because we don't have to follow the rules. Like reality is just, we're making this shit up as we go. Like companies don't even exist. Companies are literally legal fictions. All it is is a bunch of human beings collaborating together and, you know, some government piece of paper that makes 15.5. But it's just a myth. And so what's really cool is that all of us are, are storytellers and we can, we can tell any story we want. We can break the rules do things that haven't been done and create businesses so that we are that safe space so that we benefit people's mental health, that we have people come and they say, Oh, wow, I don't need to kill myself. There is a different path. And that's, what's really exciting. That's amazing, man. Well, I love how you brought up Burning Man. I've been, I, I can't remember now, five or six times. It was the first year I had to miss this year with the little one. Yeah. And it's a great microcosm because the camps that I've been to have been to a lot of really great camps. And after a few years, you notice how, well, you notice right away, but people have a perception of what it is. And I had Caveat Magister on. He wrote a book about Burning Man and its philosophy and, and how much you learn about leadership and life. It's such a hard environment. And when you go and create a camp, you think about all the shiny things you hear about, but you don't understand all the hard work and the service. And it's like this wonderful microcosm when you're really contributing to what that is. And when I'm there, I'm always asking people, how are you? You know, you get down to a very real conversation immediately because you just kind of have to. And it's like, how are you in regular life? You know, how are you in the people called the default world or or Burning Man, I don't know how it works, but yeah, yeah, default world, yeah, yeah, they had the default world, right? Especially you being in the, you know, the San Fran area, and you know, a lot of people are unhappy. And if you can create that culture and that life where you don't want to escape it, that's the premium, and that's up to you as the individual. And if you can do that in a culture, or you have a job where that culture is being created there, and you're working towards something meaningful, and you enjoy the people you work with, that's the, that's the premium result. You want to be experiencing life in a way that you're not trying to escape it. And you know, a lot of people feel like their work is a trap. And uh, you know, 
I've worked the worst job ever. Uh, it was my friends and I at uh, a temp agency and we were scraping with like basically toothbrushes, machines that had set on fire. And it was one of my most favorite work days just because my two buddies were there. And because yep. of that mini culture we created. And if there's more of us, we could still create that culture and do a crappy job or something that wouldn't be perceived as fun. We packed toilets one summer and that was fun. And just because of how we would change the culture by us being there through our mindset. And so it's completely possible to do jobs where that would be quote unquote uh, hard and not fun and, and through a different lens and a few other items make it a much more empowering and enriching and fulfilling experience. Well, and I love that because in, you know, in that interaction of you, you and your buddy, you know, you know, plunging toilets or whatever you guys were doing, you made it fun. And that was the culture because culture is a real time biological phenomenon. Culture is also not this like static thing where culture's the employee manual. That's not culture. Culture is the, the quality of interactions between individuals. It's the amount of trust. So. Amazing, man. Well, I appreciate you and what you're doing. Uh, good luck on the van. It sounds amazing. Make sure that when I'm up west, you you drive that van to to where I am, man. We'll go snowboarding or, or surfing or something. I can't but, wait, man. <laughs> it's just like such a dream come true. Yeah, yeah, dude. Hopefully, I'll have one side by side, man. It'll be so awesome. We're just sprinters yeah. going down the coast. Uh, where can people find more about you? And is there anything else that you want to share before we go? Yeah, sure. So best place is follow me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm most active on LinkedIn. Um, I'm posting pretty regularly there. Um, if you Google, um, it's a fun article in Inc. I think it's like Inc. Uh, company pay for their people to go to Burning Man or something like that. It was a hilarious... <laughs> so, so you're considered the biggest hippie company in all of San Francisco, which is a <laughs> huge feat. I know, man. It's not, not an easy uh, title to have won. Um, it's, it's a hilarious article because it, I, it, I really like it because I actually go into some of the more nuance of like why it's not just this like sex and drug, uh, you know, uh, debacle. And it's actually is valuable for leadership and collaboration, as you know. Um, so that's uh, LinkedIn. Um, you can just Google me. We have a podcast as well. We are loving playing the podcast game. It's an honor to be on your podcast. That is best self management, you know, managing people to be their best self. So best self management, it's on all of the major platforms. You can definitely dig in and learn more about us there as well as our main uh, website, which is 15.5.com. That's 15fibe.com. Awesome. Well, thanks for the work you're doing. Thanks for setting that intention. And uh, I'm wishing you all the best in your company, man. Thank you for coming on the show. And I invite everybody who's a CEO who has a company, use the software. You got to use it. It's brilliant. And if you're not, then design a company and then use it. So thanks, yeah. man. For awesome. Appreciate it, man. Cool. Thanks so much. Yeah. See you later. Bye, guys. Bye -bye. Peace. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely phenomenal Shane Metcalf. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the show. And if you did and you would like to support the vibe, please consider sharing this on Instagram with a screenshot, sharing on your Facebook, tagging me, letting me know where you're listening, what you liked. If you had any questions, I absolutely love hearing from you guys and seeing where this show is reaching in the world. Unless you guys reach out, I have no idea you're listening. Um, so please reach out often. I love hearing from you guys. Any suggestions, support, feedback is always welcome. Um, I invite you guys to check out the all-new Mastermind Body and Spirit Academy me. You'll find it at mattbelair.com and under the heading Academy right up top. Also, for those of you guys want to be the test pilot of a new mentorship program that is going to be the framework for the Soul Compass and uh, a combination of coaching for the last 12 years, 300 podcasts, all the best stuff to help you overcome self-sabotage, limiting beliefs, get 
crystal clear on your purpose and what your meaning is and how to design a life that you want to live, how to make your passions a reality and actually live it. Um, That is really what it's about and it takes a little bit of time. So powerful community and continued support is one of the best ways to do that. So go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching, fill out the form and at the bottom, just go soul compass mentorship. Uh, It's only going to be open for a little bit and there's only a limited number of people that I can take because it's a lot of one-on-one. So let me know, Uh, go over there, check it out. Thank you to all my patrons. Thank you. Uh, You can go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair. That helps immensely. Uh, Thank you to all of you who've left a review on iTunes, please do that. Leave your comments on Facebook and uh, YouTube. There's a YouTube channel. Check me out on Instagram, I guess, if you want to. I'm all over the internet. But thank you, guys. I appreciate you. I hope that you enjoyed this uh, interview. I am sending you all of my love, encouragement, support, enthusiasm. And let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we close this episode. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and just let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, enthusiasm, inspiration, excitement, joy, ready to take on the rest of the day. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you in the next episode.